Awesome. So if you guys remember, we've been going through the book of Exodus Wednesday nights, uh, which, which is focuses on, on the story of Moses. And we were introduced to a character by the, by the name of Moses, you know, Hebrew by, by, by blood. But yeah, he was adopted by, by an Egyptian uh, woman, which, which was the daughter of, of the pharaohs, uh, of Pharaoh. And so Moses grew up there in Egypt, you know, but always knowing that he was uh, a Hebrew. And yet when he was 40 years old, he recognized that God wanted to use him to free his people out of slavery. And then he took matters into his own hands. It didn't work out because God, God had other plans. God was going to use him. But it wasn't at that time. God was going to use him, but it was in God's timing and God's way and in God's power. And so God had to humble him for 40 years in the wilderness where he worked out as a shepherd. And uh, it, was, it was there 40 years later at the ripe old age of 80 years old that he heard the, the call of God in his life. And the Lord appeared to him there in the wilderness and, and commissioned him. And he said, all right, go to Pharaoh now. Now you're ready. Now that you're good and humbled and, and recognizing that that's in, my, that's in my strength, not in yours. And he sent him to Pharaoh and he said, all right, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. The story goes that as he went to Pharaoh, Pharaoh rejected. He didn't want to let God's people go, uh, just, just as God had told Moses. And we see that, that Pharaoh hardened his heart against Moses, against, against the Lord and against the people. And so we see that as a result, the Lord brought about 10 plagues. And each one of these plagues, as we mentioned last week, was an attack on, 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 on an Egyptian god. The Egyptians had numerous gods. You, we, we look at their hieroglyphics today and all the, all the excavations that have been done in Egypt. And we see all these writings on the walls and all these different monuments and statues that were built to these hundreds of, of Egyptian gods. And so as the Lord God is bringing these, these ten plagues upon the Egyptians, what he's doing is that, is that one by one he's striking down one of, one of the Egyptian gods. You know, as to tell us to say to Pharaoh and to say to all the Egyptians, look, your gods are nothing. You know, I'm the one true God. Trust in me. And we mentioned how really this was uh, God extending his hand of mercy to the Egyptians. Right? It's not that God hated Pharaoh. It's not that God hated the Egyptians and, and loved his people more. No. The Bible tells us that God's, that God's uh, desire is for none to be lost, for none to perish, but for all to be saved, for all to come to salvation. So it's not that God was showing partiality, but he had to deal with Pharaoh in a harsh way because Pharaoh had, had hardened his heart. And so we covered four of the plagues last week. And we're going to pick it up in chapter 9 now with the fifth plague. And... Um, Take all and just read through it and just, and just read about the, the various different plagues that are going to come upon, upon Egypt now. And so chapter 9 verse 1 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle, uh, in the fields, on your horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen, and on the sheep. A very severe pestilence. And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die of that that belongs to the children of Israel. Then the Lord appointed a set time saying, tomorrow, tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And so the Lord did this thing on the next day and all the livestock of Egypt died. But of the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. Then Pharaoh sent and indeed not even one of the livestock of Israel was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh became hard and he did not let the people go. And so what God is doing... Now is that as he's as he's attacking the the, the livestock of, of of Egypt, you know, keep in mind that, that that we're reading about a time where where you know where uh, livestock exchange was big. They didn't have a nine to five that they want to go clock in at, you know. So they took pride in, in their livestock and their crops and all these things, right? And so to attack their livestock, to attack their their oxen, the horses, the uh, the cattle, the donkeys, the sheep, the camels, all these things. It would be like the equivalent of, all right, uh, I'm getting rid of your car, I'm getting rid of your transportation, I'm getting rid of, uh, you know, everything that you take pride in, your, 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 your job, you know, everything you have saved up in the bank, 
pretty much everything that you're relying on, you know, and for your stability. God's saying, I'm going to get rid of it. Right? And he's doing this again to, to Pharaoh, and again, in order to get him to realize that, he, that he's not in control, that, that, that God, the God of the Hebrews, the one true God, is the one in control. And sometimes, man, the Lord will do that. You know, that, that he'll let us exhaust our resources. You know, because we're, we're so prone as, as human beings to just to depend on our own resources, right? Man, I got strength. I'm young. I can get up every morning, go work seven days a week if I can, make this much money, right? I'm relying on my own, on my own resources. And as long as I'm, I'm, I'm self-independent, I have no reason to come to God, right? Why? Because I got everything. And so sometimes the, the Lord will, will allow us to, to exhaust all our resources so we can recognize that we're not the ones in control of our lives. And more, more than exhausting His resources... Uh, what, the, what the Lord was doing is that as he, as he was attacking their cattle, you know, is that you know, the Egyptians actually had a God that was named after, that was a kind of mirror, uh, mirrored image of these cattle. You guys remember later on, once the uh, children of Israel come out of Egypt and, and, and uh, when, when Moses goes up to talk to the Lord for 40 days and, uh, and he leaves the people behind with his brother Aaron, what does he find when he comes back? He comes back and, and Aaron makes this golden calf. You know, he makes his golden cow out of, out of everyone's piercings and, and jewelry. And the people begin to worship this golden calf. And so the Egyptians uh, esteemed this calf as, as a god as well. And so again, the Lord is just attacking their, their pride, you know, attacking what they stand strong on. So they can recognize again that, that, that God, that he is the Lord. Right? And so the sixth plague. Now, verse 8, it says, So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take for yourselves handfuls of ashes from, the, from a furnace. And let Moses scatter it towards the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh, and it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt, and it will cause boils to break out and sores on men and beasts throughout all the land of Egypt. Then they took ashes from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses scattered them toward heaven, and they caused boils uh, that break out on sores and man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians and on all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. And so the sixth plague now is, is, is this plague of boils, you know, that the Lord causes these boils to come upon the people. And you think boils, you think, all right, one, one or two or three or four, maybe, you know, okay, a little inconvenient, but nothing to stop you. But uh, in, in the Hebrew text, you know, it would have meant uh, uh, literally that their, that their bodies were covered in, in, in boils like goosebumps. You know, their whole body were swelled, were swollen up. Imagine, you go to sit down, oh man, boy, you got to do anything. You go to move, you go to lay down. You, man, you can't even lay down, you can't take a shower, you can't sit down because of these boils that are on you. Right, so the Lord is causing you to become uncomfortable. And if you guys remember uh, with, with, the first, with the first four plagues, uh, what, what Pharaoh was doing every time that, that Moses would come in and bring a plague, well, what did Pharaoh do? He called his magicians, he called the sorcerers of Egypt, and you guys would come and they would duplicate, they would mimic, they would uh, counterfeit that same plague. But now we see that, that the magicians and the sorcerers, this, this time they, they, could, they couldn't mimic this plague. And more than that, they couldn't even stand before Moses because, because of the boils. You know, so again, little by little, God is just, it's just breaking down every single one of those idols. He's destroying every single one of the things that, that Egypt uh, uh, trusted in, right? So they can recognize that He's the Lord. And again, this is just God's hand uh, being extended in mercy, right? So they can recognize, all right, man, look, just repent. Look, repent, look, I'm the one true God. Look, I'm the one who's powerful. Not your magicians, not your sorcerers, not your livestock, not all your, all your Egyptian gods. You know, so God is giving him a, an opportunity to just come to him. And the seventh plague there in verse 13, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise, rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For at this time I will send all my plagues to your very heart and on your servants and on your people that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. 
Now, if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would, you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this purpose, I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth, as yet you exalt yourself against my people, and that you will not let them go. And behold, tomorrow about this time, I will cause very heavy hail to rain down, such as has not been in Egypt since its founding until now. Therefore, send now and gather your livestock and all that you have in the field, for the hail shall come down on every man and every animal which is found in the field and is not, and is not brought home, and, and they shall die. And verse 20 says, And he who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made the servants and his livestock flee to the houses, but he who did not regard the word of the Lord left the servants and his livestock in the field. And so we see that, 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 that as he's... Uh, as the Lord again is, is attacking, you know, is, is attacking every, every single one of these Egyptian deities. You know, we see that, that again that, that that God is just extending mercy to him. That when He even warns him, you know, He warns Pharaoh. He says, "Look, I'm going to bring hail uh, down on Egypt like there's never been in the history of Egypt." He says, "You know," and and, and then He says, "I'm going to give you a chance. Look, this hell's going to come. It's going to destroy everything." So here's God telling Pharaoh through Moses, telling, "Look, I'm warning him. This is this what's going to come upon." Upon Egypt, if you want to save your livestock, if you want to save your people, have them be inside of there. As long as they're inside the houses, they're, they're not going to be affected. You know, and we're told there in verse 20 that, that they that those who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh, you know, obeyed. You know, they said, oh, man, they, they, they listened. They said, all right, man, we're going to bring our stuff, our, our cattle and our people inside because this is, what, this is what, what God's going to do. But it says 21, but those who didn't regard the word of the Lord left their servants and their livestock in the field. And we, we, see, we see what the Lord is doing. Again, is that, is that God, God has given us a free will. Right? He's given every single individual a free will. God owns everything. But there's one thing that He won't violate. And that's your will. You know, he, 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 he's not going to take it by force. You know, he's not going to take our, our hearts by force. He's not going to violate our wills. Because <laughs> some, uh, when you force yourself upon someone, you know, that's not love. You know, that's, called, that's, called, that's called rape. You know, forcing your love on someone is called rape. And, and God, does, God is not a rapist. You know, He doesn't force His love on anybody. And so as, as, he's, as he's giving them a choice, now he's saying, look, he says, this is what's going to happen. You have a choice uh, on how you want to react, whether you obey my voice and, and, and be safe and be spared from, from the harm. So, or, or regard your own conscience or regard your own understanding or your own wisdom and, 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 I mean, and, and suffer. Right? But, but he's, giving them, he's giving them a fair warning and a fair opportunity to, to, to react, which I think is, is amazing. Because God has, I mean, up until this point, uh, Pharaoh and all the Egyptians... They haven't cared, right? They every time Moses there to go to Pharaoh, what do they do? Man, they 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 stomp him down, they shut him down, they shut him up, right? They say, get out of here, right? And here's God, you know, He's extending again mercy. Man, I love that about the Lord because people, some people, you know, who aren't familiar with the Bible, uh, they they I've heard people say this, you know, that that the God of the Old Testament is like the angry, vengeful, judgmental God, but the God in the New Testament, Jesus, He's the loving God, the merciful God. Right, and really, we see God's mercy extended, and we see it. We see it throughout every single page of Scripture, from the very beginning to the very end. Right, it's not that the God of mercy exists only in the New Testament. The God of love is only in the New Testament, and the God of judgment and and and, and anger is in the Old Testament. No, it's the same God. Right, so we see God's love. We see God's mercy. We we see God's justice in the Old Testament as well. And notice that there in verse twenty-two it says, "Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven." That there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man, on beast, and on every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire darted to the ground. 
And the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with hail. So very heavy that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt. All that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Moses Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and my people and I are wicked. And so by reading this, you may think, man, finally, you know, God's getting across to, to Pharaoh's heart. We see, we see kind of his heart change, for, for, uh, take a turn for the best, right? Finally, you know, after this hail comes upon, upon his land and, and, all his, uh, and all his possessions, it says that Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, I've sinned. Moses, Aaron, I've sinned against the Lord. The Lord is righteous and my people and I are wicked. And so you think, all right, awesome. But we're going to see that this is just kind of like a surface emotional type of thing. It's not, it's not true to repentance. It's not true conviction. It's, it's an emotional thing. He's, he's being affected by, 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 what it's, by what he's seen. And so he, he makes an, an emotional statement. And then he takes it back. Notice that in verse 28. Pharaoh's talking. He says, Entreat the Lord that there may be no more mighty thundering in hell, for it's enough. He says, I will let you go and you shall stay no longer. So Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord. The, the thunder will cease, and there will be no more hill, that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. And so Moses makes a, a statement of, of faith, you know, I believe, uh, using discernment. And, you know, this isn't the first time Pharaoh said, all right, all right, I give up, that's it, you know, go do what you want, I, I, I'll, I'll obey this is actually the third time that, that Pharaoh said, all right, all right, that's it. I give up. I give up. And then as soon as the, the plague stopped, he says, yeah, you know what? What am I doing? Why am I giving up so soon? You know what, man? It's, it's on, Moses. Back on. And so Moses, by this point, by, by this point, you know, he's kind of seeing, he's, he's, he's catching on, right? And he has this, this discernment. And he makes a statement out of discernment. He says, you know what, Pharaoh? I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. And so he's seen through it, right? And verse 31 says, now the flax and the barley were struck. For the barley was in the head and the flax was in the poison bud, but the wheat and the spelt were not struck, for they are late crops. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hands to the Lord. Then the thunder and hail ceased, and when rain was, was not poured out on the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain, the hail, and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more. And he hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the, so the heart of Pharaoh was hard, neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken by Moses. And I think, I think that's heavy. That Moses knew that, that Pharaoh was lying. Moses knew, look, I'm going to go pray to God. I'm, I'm going to go pray to God. I'm going to tell him to, to stop the hill. Even though I know that, that, that you're lying. Even though I know that, 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 that your heart is, you know, is, is still hardened towards the Lord. But look, nonetheless, I'm going to go pray on your behalf. You know, I love that about Moses because you know, he's, he's, giving the, he's giving him the opportunity. He's saying, all right, look, man, I know, look, I know this isn't for reals, but I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go pray for you. Right? And he does. He does. And, and, and the Lord does stop the place, even though the Lord knew also you know, that, that, that Pharaoh's heart was, was even more hardened than that, and that he was lying. But the Lord still did it. Right? Because the Lord, he's a, he's a merciful God. And I want to emphasize this. You know, because, again, be, if so many people think, man, God is such a judgmental God. And, you know, it's, uh, he's all, you know, uh, uh, hell, fire, and brimstone. And God's just waiting for you to mess up to send you to hell. That's not true. That's not true. You know, God is a, is, a, is, a, is a loving, merciful God. You know, we see it through all the pages of Scripture. Even on this uh, wicked man, Pharaoh, who, who just refuses to, to acknowledge, you know, acknowledge the Lord God and just continues to harden his heart. Now, no, notice what it says there again back in um, verse 34. 
It says, and when, and when Pharaoh saw that the rain, the hail, and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more. And he hardened his heart. And so he sinned yet more. You know, I think it would have been better for Pharaoh if he would have just not said anything. All right? If he wouldn't have said, all right, that's it, I give up. You know, God is righteous, I'm wicked. Instead of saying that and then seeing it stop and then, and then still making a decision you know, to, to go against God. It would have been better for him to not just not say anything at all. All right, because now he, he's doing it consciously. He's recognizing, look, God is righteous. I'm wicked, but, not, but he's still going against God, knowing that, that God is righteous and that he's wicked. He's still going against God. So he just made himself an, an enemy to God. And so it goes on to say there in verse, I mean, uh, chapter 10, verse 1. Now, it says, Now the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him. And that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your son's sons the mighty things I have done in Egypt and my signs which I have now done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord God. So notice that we're going to see now the, the eighth plague. But no, uh, just it's interesting what God says. He says, I have hardened the heart of Pharaoh. But yeah, in other, in other verses we see that Pharaoh says that he hardened his own heart. He says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. Then we see God saying, I hardened Pharaoh's heart. You know, and, and if you look at it again, I, I, I want to go over this again here. But if you look at it, you may think, man, well, that's, that's not fair. You know, how, how is it Pharaoh's fault if, if God is the one who hardened his heart? You know, he never stood a chance, right? And many people will argue, well, I'm, I'm the way I am because this is the way God made me, right? And it's God's fault because hey, he's the one who made me, right? If you wanted me to, to know him, then he would have made me different, right? And, 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 we, and we say that sometimes. I mean, I've said it myself, right? I'm like, man, well, it's the way he made me. What does he expect? Right, what do you expect? This is the way I was born. Right, but we, we see that again in the, in the original Hebrew, you know, when it says that, that Pharaoh hardened his heart, it means that he made an intentional, uh, an intentional conscious decision to, to, to reject God and to harden his own heart. And when it says that, that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, you know, the, the, the Hebrew word for it means that God confirmed Pharaoh's heart. Meaning that, that Pharaoh hardened his own heart and God gave him over to his hardened heart. You know, and, and it's true that, 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 that we could harden our heart towards God, you know, and, and eventually there's going to be a, a time where, where, where we could commit the sin of, of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Jesus talks about it, you know, and where God's going to say, all right, man, you've, you know, you've, you've hardened your heart against me enough, you know, and, and that's it. You, know, you made a conscious decision to just to not want anything to do with me, and, and I'm going to leave you alone to your hardened heart. You know, and that's what God is doing. It's not that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. It's that God gave Pharaoh over to his hardened heart, and he confirmed it. He's all right. Pharaoh had his heart and heart, and God just put a stamp of approval. All right, man. That's it. He hardened his heart, right? But we see that, that, that again, that, that the Lord is giving him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, you know, to, to come to him, to, to, to repent, and to really just acknowledge that the Lord is God, right? And so it's, it's not that God made him that way. It's not that God hardened his heart. It's that God just confirmed his heart and heart already. And so it says there, verse 3 of chapter 10, it says, So Moses and Aaron came, came into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. Or else, if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory. And they shall cover the face of the earth so that no one will be able to see the earth. And they shall eat the residue of what is left, which remains to you from the hill. And they shall eat every tree which grows up from you out of the field. They shall fill your houses the houses of all your servants and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither your fathers nor your fathers' fathers have seen since the day that they were on the earth to this day. It says, and he turned and went out from Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh's servants said to him, how long will this man be a snare to us? 
Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed? And so here's Pharaoh. You would rather see his own nation destroyed than to, 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 than to put aside his pride, you know, uh, 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 bow the knee to God, so to say, and to let the people go. Right? I mean, now he has his own, his own people. Pharaoh's own advisors telling him, man, aren't you, aren't your eyes open yet? Don't you recognize that this is God doing this against us? Haven't you seen that Egypt is destroyed? Just, just let these guys go already, man. They're, they, they've been a snare to us. Right? And again, Pharaoh just hiring his own heart. Verse 8 says, So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go. He says, That's it, man. Just go. He says, Serve the Lord your God. Who are the, who are the ones who are going? And Moses said, Well, we're going to go with our young, with our young, with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and the herds. We will go. We must hold a feast to the Lord. And then Pharaoh said to him, The Lord had better be with you when I, when I let you and your little ones go. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. Not so. Go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord, for, for, for that is what you desired. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. And so we see kind of, you know, Pharaoh now making this compromise. You know, and so once, he, once again, he calls Moses in. He says, all right, Moses, just get out of here. I'm going to let you go. Who's going to go? And Moses says, everyone's going, man. The young, the young, the old, the women, the children, uh, the boys, the girls, we're all going. Our, our livestock, our cattle, we're, we're all going. All right? And also what Pharaoh said, he said, man, the Lord better be with you when I let you go. So he's letting them go, but it's not out of, a, out of a conviction of art, man. He's doing it grudgingly. He's all right, man, I'm going to let you go, but God better be with you, man, because what he's saying is, oh, man, God better protect you, because if he doesn't, man, then I'm, I'm going to get you. That's what he's saying. So he's letting them go kind of out of obligation, but not because really God has touched his heart. You know, he's, he's still hard in his heart. And so verse 12 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, uh, that they may come upon the land of Egypt and be everywhere by the land, all that, all that the hell has left. So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind on, on the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts, and the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested on all the territory of Egypt. They were very severe. Previously, there had been no such locusts as they, nor shall they be uh, after them. For they covered the face of the whole earth, so that the land was darkened, and they ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hell had left. So there remained nothing green on the trees or the plants on the field throughout all the land of Egypt. And Egypt is now bare. It's bare. There's, 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 there's nothing left. You know, there's a... And so if you know anything about locusts, you know, when locusts come in, man, they just devour everything. You could put a, It's like a moth. You know, have you ever had moth in your closet and... You, you get your clothes and especially wool, you see there's holes in it. And locusts are like a hundred times worse. Where when, when a swarm of locusts come into a field, into, into, into crops, they devour everything from the stem, the leaves to the stem, to the flower, to, to the fruit. They devour everything. And so, you know, Egypt had just been hit with, uh, with, with hail. It destroyed almost everything. And what little was left now was destroyed by the locusts. Why? Because, because uh, Pharaoh refused to, to humble his heart before the Lord. It's like, man, this guy would rather lose everything than to say, all right, God, you know, I surrender. I give up. Right? It's like he, 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 his, his pride is, is, is driving him to, to be destroyed. Right? And really, that, that's, what, that's a picture of, of what our pride does to us. You know, where we could just fight and fight and fight and fight against God. You know, and, and, and man, we're being destroyed all around us. Right? It's like we don't recognize that we're just, you know, it's like, it's like we're shadow boxing. You know, and we're trying to be God and we're just shadow boxing. And, and everything's coming up against us. We're... Like literally destroyed. But
But you know, our pride won't let us just say, all right, God, that's it, I surrender. Right? That's how I was before I came to the Lord. It took, me, it took me to get to the point where I was like, man, that's it, I'm done. I'm just completely destroyed. There's nothing left in my life. I thought I have this much left in my life. And I said, God, if you want to do anything with this much, you could have it. Like, Lord, that's it, man. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm over. All right? And little did I know, you know like, like I was going to do so much more with that very little of my life than I could with all of my life and my own strength. And so we see that in verse 16 says, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death. You know, so he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord and the Lord turned a very strong west wind, which took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart that he did not let the children of Israel go. And the ninth plague now, in verse 21, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, darkness which, which may even be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did any, anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the, all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. That's crazy. So th- th- we see that th- this ninth plague now that was brought upon Egypt was this plague of darkness. You know, it's, and the Bible tells us that the, the darkness was so thick that you could feel it. I don't know if you've ever been in that type of darkness where it just feels so thick where you, you can't see it, anything around you, right? And it just, it's so thick that you could, just, you could just feel it. I remember when I was in Colombia those four months, uh, one of those days we went out into the field. Went out to the field and, and, and uh, it had just rained so the, so the sky was, was, was pitch black. And I remember it was pitch black and we were out like in the boonies so there was no street lights, there was, no, there was none of that stuff. I remember it was so dark, I was scared to walk because I felt like you were just walking in, I don't know, just in nothingness, right? It, it was so thick, you could feel it. And so, but notice where it says that it was so dark there in Egypt, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. <laughs> That's crazy, you know, because again, God is making this, distinct, this distinction between his people, you know, and, and, and the Egyptians. Or his people, you know, and those who are rejecting him. And really, that's the, that's the distinction that God makes in us today. You know, John chapter 1, uh, speaking about Jesus, you know, it, it, mentioned, it, it calls Jesus the light. You know, and, 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 and about Jesus, it says Jesus is the light. And he says, and, and the light shines in the darkness and darkness cannot extinguish it. And really, this is just a, a, a picture of the Lord Jesus, you know, where it says that all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. In the midst of just darkness surrounding them, it was God's people who, who, who had light there with them in their dwellings. You know, and so for us today, man, in, in a world, dude, that's just dark. That's just, man, you see so much darkness, so much wickedness, like, like there's never been before, honestly. Right? So much, so much darkness right now, so much wickedness, so much evil. Right? So much, you could call it just thick darkness. So thick that you can feel it. But yeah, you know, it's God's people who, who, who have the light. Right? Because, again, the Gospel of John says that, that, shines, that, light, that God's light shines in the darkness and the, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. This is just an awesome picture of the Lord. It says there in verse 24. Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go, serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. But Moses said, You must also give us sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our, our livestock also should go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind. For we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And even, and even we don't know with what we must serve the Lord, the Lord until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take heed for yourself and see my face no more. 
for in the day that you see my face, you shall die. So Moses, uh, Pharaoh's just saying, man, just get out of here. Moses, I don't want to see you anymore. You come back over here, I'm going to kill you. Just get out of my face. That's what he's saying. Get out of my face. So Moses said, you have spoken well. I will never see your face again. And chapter 11 says, now the, the, the tenth, the tenth and, and the final plague now that's going to come upon Egypt. You know, which is going to be the, the, the death of the firstborn son. Chapter 11 says, And the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. So like, not, not only is he going to let you go, but he's going to chase you out. <laughs> he's going to kick you out. You've been asking to be let go. Not only is he going to let you go, but he's going you know, to force you to, to leave. And he says, uh, there in verse 2, Speak now in the hearing of the people, and let every man ask from his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor articles of silver, of silver and articles of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. I love this about Moses, because again, in the beginning of the, of the, of the book of, Mo, of Exodus, again, we were introduced to Moses. Remember, at the time when, when he took matters into his own hand, that he was going to you know, be, be the, uh, God's deliverer for his people. Remember, he was the, the, the next in line to become the next Pharaoh. You know, and a Jewish historian, the Jewish historian Josephus tells us that, that, that Moses was actually a man of battle. You know, he would go in and out from, from Egypt, you know, leading armies into, into war. He was a, a, a strong man. He was a, a powerful man. He was, uh, you know, uh, he, just, he, was, he was gifted in, 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 in the art of war. Right, so in his own strength, he could have easily let the people, the, the people go. He could have started a war against Egypt and probably won, but that wasn't God's way. You know, God, went, God was going to deliver the people. He was going to use Moses, but it was going to be again in God's strength, in God's timing, and in God's way. And so, in the beginning of Moses' life, he was proud. He thought, "Man, I got this. I could do this." Right? God humbled him, and now God is going to give him everything that he was seeking in the beginning, but now in God's time. Notice that it says again that, that, that the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it says, And Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. Whereas to before, Moses, want, Moses thought that, that, that by him taking charge and taking matters into his own hands, he was just going to become great in the sight of his own people. But now God is making him great, not just in the sight of his own people, but in the sight of the Egyptians and in the sight of Pharaoh's servants. And it's like, man, God, is gonna, God did more than, more than Moses could have imagined. Right? And that's what the Bible tells us there in the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. Paul writing to, to, to the Ephesians, he tells them in Ephesians 3.20, he says, Now unto God and unto he who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above you know, what we could ask or even imagine. You know, and, 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 God described, I mean, and Paul described God in this way as a God who could, do, who could do exceedingly, abundantly, above what we could even imagine. Right? And, and that's what God is doing for, for Moses. You know, is that he's doing exceedingly, abundantly, above what Moses could have ever imagined. You know, Moses would have never imagined himself going before Pharaoh multiple times, you know, uh, 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 pleading with him, talking to him face to face with God's protection, right, doing all these miraculous signs. Moses was going to go before Pharaoh in his own strength, but God wanted him to go before Pharaoh in God's strength, right? And so us too, man, as we face the, 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 the temptations and the, and, and the trials of, of, of today, you know, and, and, and of our world, Hey man, you could you could go, you could face the world, you could face your trials, you could face your difficulties in your own strength and be depleted, you know, or we could face them in God's strength, you know, and be victorious and continue and, and, and continue facing them and continue being victorious. All right, all kinds of stuff is going on. I mean, some of you guys know, you know some of the stuff that, that, that uh, that's going on right now in my family, right? And it's like, man, if I could 
If I approach these things in my own strength, dude, I'm, I'll go crazy, man. I'm trying to figure out solutions. But because we're trusting the Lord, it's like, man, all right, you know, I know God's, God's going to give us a victory. And so it goes on to say, in verse 4, Then Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of the Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. Uh, then there shall be a great cry throughout all of the land of Egypt, such as was not like it before, nor shall, shall be like it again. But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue against man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these things the servants shall come uh, shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, and, and all the people who follow you. After that, I will go out. But then he, and then he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. But the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not heed you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the, land, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go out of his hand. And so the Lord still, still hasn't brought the, brought the, the, the plague, you know, the, the, the death of the firstborn. It's kind of like this, this, we get this little break in between. But what God's going to do is that he gives him a warning. He says, look, I'm going to bring uh, death throughout all the land of Egypt. You know, and, and God said he was going to bring a, a death of the firstborn son. You know, now this may seem cruel. You know, but again, God gave him this fair warning. And he's, he's going to give him a means to, to, to be saved from this. Not just for the, not just for the Israelites, but for everybody. You know, so if, if somebody wanted to, to, save, to save themselves, they could have. They would have they just obeyed God's voice. Right? But we see that, that, that this whole death of the firstborn, again, what God is doing is that he's attacking, he's attacking an Egyptian deity. Because for the Egyptians and, and their culture, the firstborn son of the, of the Pharaoh was considered the next god in line. Because the Pharaoh was, was, was looked at as, as, a son of, of, as a son of their god, Ra. And so Pharaoh was actually regarded as a, as a god. You know, and many uh, Egyptian hieroglyphics that have been discovered, you know, they, they, they have... Uh, these, these commemorations to, to these pharaohs, you know, and it says that they were worshipped as God, that they were uh, offered sacrifices of even uh, of, of, living, of living things. You know? So people, people regarded them as, as living gods. You know? And so Pharaoh would have been regarded as a god, and his firstborn son would have been regarded as the next god to take the throne. And so in God attacking the, the firstborn son of Egypt, you know, he's attacking their, 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 own, their own gods, right? And now chapter 12. Again, we'll get this little break uh, in between the, the, the death of the firstborn. And we see that God is going to now provide, God is going to bring provision for the firstborn son to be saved. You know, and, and it's an interesting way that, that he does it. Chapter 12, he says this. He says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And so what the Lord is doing now is He's telling them, right, this is going to be the beginning of the year. This day, he's all, He says, what's about to happen is going gonna, is gonna to be forever remembered and forever be commemorated you know, in, uh, uh, within your people as the first month of the year, which... The, 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 the Jewish calendar and, and our calendar, you know, is different. So for so this day would have been somewhere around March or April, you know, which for us is March, March or April, but for them it would have been the first month of the year. And so we're told that, that the Lord now gives them specific instructions. He says, all right, this is what you're going to do. He says, you're going to take, you're gonna take a, a lamb, you know, so for every household, you know, so 
set a lamb aside, aside for every household. And verse 4 says, And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him, let him and his neighbor next to, next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. And then he says this, excuse me, in verse 5, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And so what's going on is again, is that Lord, the Lord instructs him, right? Death is going to come upon Egypt. He says, he says, I'm making provision so that the death won't touch you. And he says this, take a lamb, a lamb for a household. If there's only a couple people in your household, then join with your neighbor. You know, and it could be one lamb for, for both households. He says, you're going to take it on the 10th month, of the, uh, on the 10th day of the first month. He says, and you're going to keep it until the 14th day. So if, if they take it up on the 10th, and then they're going to keep it until the 14th, that means that they keep it in the house with them for four days. And for those four days, they were to, 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 to guard this little lamb, make sure nothing happened to it. Notice that it was a lamb of the first year, so it was a, a one-year-old lamb. Uh, and it says that it has to do without blemish, meaning perfect. So for those four days, you can imagine they would sleep with it, they would, you know, bathe it, they would take care of it, they would make sure that nothing happens to this little lamb. Why? Notice, notice what it says there. And continues, it continues to say, Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. So they were to, to, to take this little lamb, preserve it, love on it, make sure it doesn't get hurt, make sure, you know, it, it's, it remains perfect. Take it inside the household, right? Make sure it remains perfect so that they could kill it. You know, and offer it to the Lord. Now, this means, may seem strange, but we're going to wrap it up at the end. And you're going to see who, the whole purpose of this. It says there in verse 8. I mean, sorry, verse 7. And they shall take some of the blood of this lamb and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house. So the lintel is the, is, the, is the top post and the two doorposts are the ones on the side. It says, they shall, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, they shall roast it in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled uh, at all with water, but roast it in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning. And what remains of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and a staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste, meaning like rapidly, like quick. It is the Lord's Passover. And so what's going on, you know, is that, is again, the Lord is providing this provision. He's giving, he's giving them provision to escape death, right? We're going to see later on that the angel of death is going to go throughout all Egypt. He's going to kill the firstborn son. But God is saying, you know, the way you can be protected from this, from this judgment, from this, from this death, from this plague, is by taking this little lamb, caring for it, loving on it, uh, and, and then killing it, using the blood and putting the blood over, over your household, right? And you are to devour this whole little lamb. Don't leave anything behind and again, it's it's a it's a gruesome picture. It's a gruesome picture. Could you just imagine there was probably somewhere around a, a couple million Hebrews there in Egypt that were living in Egypt as slaves. It would have been man just this huge slaughter. Imagine the the, the, the noises that that night as these lambs are being slaughtered. Imagine just uh, the just the gruesomeness, just blood everywhere. It would have been a, a horrible scene. It would have been something that they were that they would have never forgotten. It goes on to say. And there in verse 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you in the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land 
of Egypt. And so what God is saying is that, look, because of the blood of this little lamb, you know, when, 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 the, when death passes through Egypt, you know, if, if, blood, if the blood of this little lamb is over your household, you won't be touched, you won't be affected. Now this is important because we know that, 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 that Jesus died you know, on the Feast of Passover, which is what we're reading about right now. This is the first time the Feast of Passover, the Jewish Feast of Passover, was ever instituted. You know, and we see that, that the little lamb was just a picture of Christ, right? And, and notice what the Lord says about the little lamb and about his blood. He says, he says, he says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And in like manner, you know, the Lord Jesus died on the cross for us on the Passover. You know, he was the Passover lamb. Right, numerous times there, there in the Gospels we read that that uh, there in, in John chapter three and, and all the Gospels we read about Jesus as he was there here on earth on his earthly ministry and that he would he would walk by and that John the Baptist as, as he saw him he would cry out and he'd say what he said behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of, the sins of the world you know and so Jesus was identified as the Lamb of God why because Jesus was God's sacrifice you know that was going to be offered for us so that through His blood. Death will pass over us. Heavy. And all this is illustrated for us here in the book of Exodus. Right? And notice what, again what he says is, When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And so Jesus, you know, so this is just a, a, a picture, a type of Jesus, a picture of, of what Jesus was going to do on the cross for us, you know, some thousand years later. And, and now the Lord, man, when, when, when we come to the Lord by faith, you know, by grace through faith and, and believe on the sacrifice that he made on the cross for us because of the blood that was shed for us, it's like when we believe on that, it's like we're putting that blood over our doorposts, you know, over ourselves. And now God, you know, when He passes by and He sees the blood of Christ over our lives, you know, judgment passes over us. Notice it's not, notice He doesn't say, all right, when I see all the good stuff you've done in your life and made up for all your sins, I'll pass over you. No. Notice that He doesn't say, when I see your good church attendance and, and, and how much money you give to the church, I'm going to pass over you. No. Notice that, that He doesn't say, when, when I see, uh, you know, all the... Good stuff you've done, all that stuff, right? All your works, I'm going to pass over you. No. But he says, when I see the blood of the Lamb, I will pass over you. And so that speaks to our salvation, that there is nothing that we could add to our own salvation. There is nothing that we could add to, our, to the forgiveness of God of our sins. There's absolutely nothing that, that, that we could add you know, to our righteousness. But it's all because of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. You know, that, 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 that God passes over us in judgment. It's only because of the blood. Nothing that we could add to it but our faith and by just simply believing. Awesome picture. In verse 14 it says, This day shall be to you a memorial and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the house until this seventh day that the person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done in that day, but that which must everyone, which everyone must eat, that only that only may be prepared by you. So you shall observe the feast until of unleavened bread. For on this same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at evening you shall eat unleavened bread. Until the 21st day of the month at evening for seven days, no leaven shall be found in your houses. Since whoever eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is a stranger or a native in the land, you shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings. You shall, eat, you shall not eat unleavened, unleavened bread. And so 
again, as, as the nation of Israel was, was uh, instructed to do this. You know, notice that they're instructed to do this while they're still in Egypt. Now while they're out of Egypt. And so as the Lord is instructing them to do this stuff, you know, earlier we read that, that he instructs them to, to eat the food. And they're supposed to put their sandals on, their shoes on, tie their belts. And, and he says, and eat it quickly like, like you're in a hurry and you're ready to go. Right? While they were still in Egypt. God had promised them, all right, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deliver you from Egypt. I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. And so have this meal before I even do this. You know, but, but, but do it, you know, ready to go. And so they were to do this in faith, you know, believing that God was going to keep his end of the promise. Like, all right, man, we're going to eat the lamb. We're going we're gonna to put our shoes on. We're going to tie our belts. We're going to have our stuff ready, packed to go. You know, so it's like it would have took a, 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 an act of faith on their part. It wasn't just, all right, simply believe, you know, but it was, it was an act on, of, of faith. You know, it was an action on their part. And so the Lord it goes on to say there, verse 21, it says, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, uh, Pick out, it says, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basins and strike the lintel with, with, uh, and the doorpost with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the and the lintels on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over your door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance and for you and your sons forever. It shall come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you. Just as he promised that you shall keep the service. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by the service order? Why are we doing this? That you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the Egyptians in Israel, uh, in Egypt. And he struck the Egyptians and he delivered their households. So the, so the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and, and Aaron. So they, did, so they did this. And so notice that, that this Passover lamb, this slaughtering of the Passover lamb, had, had, had two purposes. One, it says that as they, as, they slaughtered, you know, as they slaughtered this Passover lamb, he says it was meant to strike the Egyptians and to deliver their households. So this, this one sacrifice had a twofold purpose. You know, it was going to defeat their enemies, the Egyptians, and it was going to set them free. And so the, the sacrifice of, 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 of Christ on the cross, our Passover lamb, is, is a twofold purpose. You know, it is to defeat our enemy, which is death, and ultimately the power that Satan has over our life, and also to set us free from the bondage of sin. And so again, as, as God tells them, right, this, he's going to strike the Egyptians and deliver your household. Strike them, but deliver you. Defeat your enemies, but yet set you free. Again, as we, and as we believe on that sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, our Passover lamb, Again, man, defeats our enemy, you know, death defeated on the cross, but yet set us free from the bondage of sin, right? And, and, and the hold of Satan on our lives. Just so the people bow their heads and they worship. And then we'll just go through the last two verses, 29 and 30 says, And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the, all the firstborn of the livestock, so Pharaoh rose in the, in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Man, heavy, heavy. You know, that, that again, that the Lord gave, uh, you know, he shows no partiality. He gave each and every person the, the equal opportunity to be safe in this. He said, all right, the instruction wasn't just for the, for the Israelites, but it was for everyone. If you just do this, you'll be safe from death. And so the, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, 
you know, it's for everyone. God shows no partiality. John 3.16 that says, says that for God so loved the world. Not for God so loved the United States. Not for so God loved this people group, that people group, this country, that country. No. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave. Right? So, so that whoever should, should believe on Jesus, you know, will not be lost, but, you know, but, but have everlasting life. And so just as this opportunity was given to all the Egyptians, to everyone with no partiality, so that, 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 that opportunity, you know, that, that sacrifice of Christ on the cross, you know, it gives every single person an opportunity to, to, to have death pass over. Right? And so the Lord kept his word. You know, he, there, was a, a, there was a plague that, that came upon Egypt that day. You know, um, it tells us later on, that was the angel of death that passed through Egypt and it struck every firstborn except for the ones that had the, the blood of the lamb over their household. Amazing. Amazing. I'm just amazed again that I've said it before, you know, that every single page of scripture, every single book from the very beginning to the, to the very end, it's all about Christ. You know, these guys were, this is the first time it was instituted, but they were going to practice this every single year for years, for thousands of years, up until, up until Christ was crucified. And so every single year, they were, this, this was going to be a picture that was ingrained in their minds. The blood of the Lamb saved us from death. The blood of the Lamb to save us from death. The blood of the Lamb to save us from death. And then finally, when Jesus would come, they were, they were to recognize, man, Jesus was, a, was that Lamb. And His blood is the one that saved us from death. Many got it, many didn't. You know, but now we understand it, man, that it was that blood of cross, that, that, that blood of Jesus on the cross, you know, that was meant, that was, you know, it was like this foreshadowing years and years before, you know, telling of the story of what Jesus was gonna do for us. Amazing, huh? I mean, we'll end right there, we'll pick it up next week on in verse thirty one with, with the exodus of the of the people now from not from Egypt. You know, so Father God, I just thank you so much for your word or for uh, our Lord's blessing us Lord with